Hello, friend. Welcome to Mr. Rewatch, the Mr. Robot Recap Podcast brought to you today by a stand-up comedian and a beleaguered entrepreneur. I'm Erin, and I'm joined by a guest today. Hi there. I'm Margaret, and I'm so glad to join you today, Erin. Um, we're so lucky to have you here because you also have a Mr. Robot podcast. Yes, that's right. I co-host a podcast along with my good friend, Henry, and we have a, it's called the Hello Friend, a Mr. Robot podcast. I had wanted Mr. Robot O at first, but then somebody else called their podcast that. Darn it. But we've been uh, recording this podcast since the beginning and uh, just it's been really exciting. We covered the Red Wheelbarrow book, which was also cool. So it's been fun being part of this universe. Wow. So since the beginning, so you're you're one of the OG podcasts. Then. <laughs> well, at first it was really hard to get my friends interested in watching the show. I don't know if you had that same experience where when it first came on, there were people saying, you have to watch the show. And everyone was like, Mr. Robot, what's that about? Well, so it's interesting because I'm actually late to the game. So my uh, my brother, who is my my podcast partner, um, after about a year, talked me into watching it, and I've been hooked ever since. But now I'm one of those Mr. Robot evangelists, saying to everyone I know, "You got to watch the show. How are you not watching the show?" Yeah, it's it's brilliant for so many reasons that I'm sure we'll talk about here. Absolutely, and so. We're doing a bit of a retrospective on the last season. So I'm curious what your favorite parts of it were. One of my favorite parts of season three of Mr. Robot was seeing how Elliot developed as a character and as a person in this world. I mean, if we think about his evolution when he started out in season one, he was really, uh, you know, he was addicted to a variety of drugs, especially his his morphine. He was in a very self-destructive mode and we saw him in season two. He was literally imprisoned both physically and mentally. Uh, and season three, we sort of saw him bust loose. And I, it was just great seeing Elliot take ownership and have agency and express a range of emotions besides the internal dialogue, which we became so accustomed to in the first two seasons, especially. So that was one of my favorite things was seeing the uh, evolution of Elliot. And then something else, you know, because I work in the tech industry and my co-host Henry does as well, I love seeing how all of the tech is utilized and how it's, it's future thinking, but not that much in the future that it isn't really touching upon our realities in very cogent ways. Now, because you're in that sector... Um, I'm curious, how credible do you find the tech in this season? Well, uh, from so from my standpoint, and I'm I'm in the tech sector. Sector. I'm not a, uh, a a programmer myself, or a programmer, as we say here in San Francisco. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I find that they go to great pains to be accurate in their research and what they represent. And I know they have a lot of consultants on the show who not only talk through different scenarios and present what the, the privacy and cybersecurity implications are and the different hacks that are used in the show, but I even 
read somewhere that even when we see, for example, Elliot on the computer and he's typing away on the keyboard, those keyboard sounds are, from what I understand, made to mimic what an actual coder or developer would be doing or a hacker would be doing to initiate various commands and processes. Now, I'm curious, and this is a a question that just came to me, but do you have a favorite character or a character that you really identify with in the show? (laughs) I think about that a lot because uh, that's just sort of my tendency is I like to have favorites. And there have been different times where I guess my favorites shift. And so for a long time, I really, I really liked and resonated with Darlene in a lot of ways, because I think she, she's just so loyal and she's always there and she takes a lot of, of grief and doesn't get nearly as much appreciation. And I just thought she's a really strong character. I have to say Irving is one of my favorites. I, I love Bobby Cannavale in general as an actor and Irving just reminds me of so many people I've met in my life, having grown up on the East Coast. So Irving's another favorite. Um, I have I have ones who are my least favorite, like Angela. I don't think she'll ever be one of my favorites. Uh, but I I also love um, uh, the character White Rose as well, who I think is just just fabulous. I know, and they've all grown so much more interesting as the series has progressed too. Mm-hmm. Now, in season three, were there any moments you really didn't like or any shortcomings that you found in it? <laughs> yes. So, you know, I, but, you know, the shortcomings are so small in comparison to how great the season was. Uh, but there were some minor things that I thought might have suspended credulity. I think the biggest thing, glitch that my co-host Henry and I noticed, or one of them, and I'm sure he would agree with me, is is how they represented Trenton's driving <laughs> during <laughs> during the escape scene. I mean, I grew up in a city. I didn't learn how to drive till I was, you know, in my late 20s, basically. So I totally get that driving is difficult. But when Trenton was trying to escape, you know, basically death, um, you know, at the hands of, was it Leon, right? Leon killed them. Uh, Mm -hmm. She drove away in the getaway car. And you you mean to tell me she could not steer through an open desert and hit a rock? And I know that's, (laughs) that's a really minor thing to bring up in light of everything, you know, sort of like, what was the sense in giving Elliot a job at E Corp? Uh, even if Angela is Philip Price's daughter, uh, does she really deserve such special treatment and, and that, that kid glove treatment? And would she have risen through the ranks the way she did? I mean, there are a lot of things that I think we have to forgive in terms of missteps potentially. But in general, it's a really, really wonderful show. And it's a wonderfully New York show, with all the scenes in in the subway and throughout the city. And I know you visited New York recently. Is that right? Yes, I just got back, actually. And I'll agree with you. Um, You know, it certainly, it really evokes the feeling of that city. Mm -hmm. 
Absolutely. The subway scenes are my some of my favorites in Mr. Robot because it's it's so special to be able to uh, film in a subway or record in a subway from what I understand. Getting the permits isn't that easy. And so it's not done as much as it used to be. And then it reminds me of movies like The Warriors, for example, which had a lot of subway focused scenes. That's a cult classic, which I'm sure you're aware of. And I just it's just so evocative for me. So I to me, Mr. Robot is one of the true, real New York City shows. I remember thinking when I was there that finding – there's that scene in the season finale with the empty subway car. Mm-hmm. I thought, this is this is the real departure from reality, that you never <laughs> find a car in the New York subway system. <laughs> uh, so now looking forward, do you have any predictions for season four or anything you're hoping to see? So it's it's funny you say that in terms of the predictions for season four, because in some ways my my mind is being pulled in one direction. And by that, I mean, I definitely feel they're going to be focusing on the central role that the Congo plays in in developments moving forward. I definitely think it's related to the uh, cryptocurrency that White Rose is basically advancing to essentially become the one world currency. Uh, I think that it has something, I read somewhere, it might've been on Reddit, you know how internet brain works, you kind of see something, you know? Uh, But I read somewhere that one of the theories is that the Congo is, is an important location because of all of the power that can be generated there through hydraulics. And you would need something really massive to be able to power a world currency that's built on top of blockchain technology, which is a very energy intensive kind of technology. There's been a lot in the news about that lately. Then then my heart gets pulled in the sci-fi directions that they're introducing, like the time travel element and all of that. And, and while I think that that... I think that's more of a tease. That's sort of my opinion. And I do think it's really going to be based on what it means when a an entity uh, represented by White Rose in this instance basically takes over the world economy through the uh, um, promulgation of a single world currency, a cryptocurrency. It's very timely and relevant to what we're seeing right now in our world, I think. Absolutely. I was in Toronto yesterday and I saw the dodgiest convenience store, which had both an ATM and a sign that they accepted Bitcoin. Yep. So mm-hmm. it, it's coming. <laughs> mm-hmm. Interesting. Um, so I really appreciate your thoughts on this and your time today. And I wondered if you could tell our listeners how they could find your podcast and also learn more about you and your work. Oh, well, that's, that's really nice of you, Erin, to ask that. And so Henry and I have a podcast, as I mentioned, it's called Hello Friend, the Mr. Robot Podcast. It can be found on all of the usual outlets, iTunes, Podbean, Google Play, trying to get there, get up there on Spotify. Uh, we'll see if that happens. And then in terms of contacting me, probably Twitter is the best way. My Twitter handle is at Margaret Wallace. And there you can see all of my rants and raves and hopefully amusing cat photos. I love a cat photo. So, you know, (laughs) this is great stuff. (laughs) Well, uh, thank you for listening to Mr. Rewatch. We recorded this episode today between Guelph, Ontario and San Francisco, California. I'm Erin. 
I'm Margaret. Bonsoir. Bonsoir. <laughs>